I want to begin with a story today, and then we will roll out a cliché. The story is one found in Scripture. In fact, it's found in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is a story I have shared in the past. I've taught on this before, but there is still so much we can learn when we look at it again from a different angle. And that's what I hope to do today. Now, you may be familiar with the story. If that's the case, stick with me, okay? If you have never heard this story before, enjoy. What we find in the gospel accounts of this event is that Jesus is growing in popularity. He has been teaching, which caused people to listen because he said such interesting things. He had also been healing people, which caused many to be in awe, like, wow, who is this guy? He's amazing. Obviously, Jesus was unlike anyone they had ever observed, which leads to, wow. In Luke's account of this event, here's what we discover. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Okay, let's pause here for some context. The average home in this area would have allowed for about 50 people standing close together. Houses often had an outside staircase, so it would have been easy for these men carrying the paralyzed man to reach the roof and get to the tiles. Poor people at this time, especially those who were homeless, didn't have many belongings. They may have had a mat for sleeping, so it is likely that the paralyzed man's friends carried him on his actual bed. These friends were undeterred in their determination to get to Jesus. It's amazing. It really is. Okay, back to verse 19. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Can you picture this? They take off the tiles and then they lower their friend on his bed right in front of Jesus. And then verse 20 says this, seeing their faith. Interesting. Seeing their faith. Jesus saw their actions on behalf of their friend. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Oh my, they were shocked at this statement from Jesus. Verse 22. 
Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised. Now, do you see that word praised there in verse 6? This word praised comes from the Greek word doxadzo, which means to render or to esteem glorious. So picture this. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they doxadzo. They rendered, they esteemed glorious what was happening there. Doxa makes up part of the word we know as doxology, which means a hymn or a song of praise. So everyone was gripped with great wonder when they saw this man stand up and walk, and they were filled with awe, and they praised, they rendered or esteemed glorious God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Today, we have seen amazing things. Now, the phrase amazing things in verse 26 comes from a Greek word that means contrary to opinion or expectation or remarkable things. This is where we get the English word paradox. And that's what people were saying about what they had just observed. Wow, this is contradictory, yet amazing. The story makes sense, right? Jesus is teaching. A man is paralyzed. His friends likely picked him up so that they could take him to Jesus because maybe Jesus will heal him. They couldn't get into the house where Jesus was teaching because there was a big crowd, so they get really creative and they go through the roof. Why not? Insurance will take care of that, right? Well, Jesus heals the man. Jesus then gets into a theological debate for a moment about his ability to forgive sins. And then the man is healed. And then people are like, wow, that was something. Okay, got all of that? Here's our cliche-ish for today. God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. True, God does help those who help themselves. We can't just sit around waiting for God to miraculously right the wrongs in society. We often do this. 
pray plus work, right? We do that. Pray plus work. That makes sense. We pray about problems and then get to work on them. Benedictine monks use a Latin phrase, ora et labora, meaning pray and work. This phrase is often associated with Benedict of Nursia, who lived from 480 to 547. For Benedict, prayer and work were allies. Pray plus work. We pray about problems and then get to work on them. But here's the question. What about those who can't for whatever reason? Now, some thinking points to consider. Sometimes people truly cannot help themselves. Sometimes people can't just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and begin again. This is certainly what we see in Luke chapter 5. And while the driving point of what Luke the author is presenting likely focuses on Jesus' ability to forgive sins, the human connection in this event is undeniable and beautiful. A man is paralyzed. His friends bring him on his bed to the one person who may be able to help with his physical condition, which leads to his spiritual condition being changed when Jesus forgave his sins. It's part of the story. Here was someone who could not help themselves. He was paralyzed. He couldn't get to Jesus. He needed help. This is why Scripture clearly encourages us this way. And I want to just share several verses with you that point to helping others. I'll begin with Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. Here's what it says. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. And here's the challenge. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. So the challenge here is don't pick up everything. Leave a little bit for those who may not be able to help themselves and need some food. In Psalm chapter 10, we find some similar words. Here's Psalm chapter 10, verse 14. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed so mere people can no longer terrify them. And then in Psalm chapter 18, we find these words, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. And boy, here you can really pick up on the heart cry of the psalmist. In, in my distress, in my 
pain, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. And then in the New Testament, in James chapter 1, we find some beautiful words that say this. Verse 27, pure and genuine religion. Okay? Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means this. Are you ready? Pure and genuine religion before God the Father. Here it is. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. It's caring for orphans and widows in their distress. These are just some verses. We could go on for a long time. These are just some verses that help us know sometimes people truly cannot help themselves. And that includes followers of Jesus. People who have developed a friendship with Jesus aren't immune to life's setbacks. One more thinking point. What we see in scripture is that God helps those who cannot help themselves. And get this, he often does it through people like us. And that's actually our big idea for today. Through his people, God helps those who cannot help themselves. Through you, through me. We get in on this glorious program of serving others. Author Adam Hamilton states it this way, showing compassion and mercy for those who struggle is part of the very character of God. Let me share that one more time. Showing compassion and mercy for those who struggle is part of the very character of God. Feel far from God? You feel stale in your friendship with him? Distant? Bored? Well, through his people, God helps those who cannot help themselves. And this is how we move past a stale or boring faith. Others, others. The opportunities to help others is endless. The opportunity to place others first, the opportunity to step out of a dark place and serve someone in need, the opportunity to set debating aside over this or that or pandemics or school starting dates or vaccines or political issues or all of the other stuff that fills our thoughts to simply see a friend in need and do something for them? Well, these opportunities exist. They may not be as dramatic as lowering someone through a roof, but these compassion opportunities exist and showing compassion and mercy for those who struggle is part of the very character of God. 
And when we act this way, I believe our faith comes to life and becomes dynamic. Here are some takeaways for us. I want to be practical in how we approach this. So how can we be those people? Does God want us to lower someone through a roof? Maybe. Does God want us to look around and see needs? Absolutely. Does God want us to use what we have, resources and skills, to solve problems? Yes. Here are some practical suggestions. The first takeaway is this. Experience the margin. Experience the margin. So I'm reading a book called Making Room, Recovering Hospitality as a Christian Tradition. The author makes the case that one of the ways we can be hospitable is to make conscious decisions to experience marginality in our lives. Well, what does that mean? Well, who in your world is marginalized simply because of who they are? Their economic standing, maybe a disability, maybe a choice they have made, maybe the color of their skin. Sit in their shoes, learn from them, serve them. In doing that, I believe we're helping and we're acting a lot like the gentleman we read about in Luke's gospel. Here's the second takeaway. Perhaps the greatest thing you can do is to help others and do that by listening. Perhaps the greatest thing you can do to help is simply to listen. Writing on the eve of World War II, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer stated, many people are looking for an ear to listen. They do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking when they should be listening. In a lonely society, to listen is to love. And in a polarized society, to listen is to offer a winsome witness. If 2020 has done anything, it has isolated and polarized. What helps? Listening. Pure and simple listening. One more takeaway. Here it is. Pursue friendships that can help in times of your own spiritual and physical weakness. The man on the mat didn't know Jesus. He had no way of getting there. He could not help himself. But guess what he had? He had friends. He had great friends. So the question is this, who is surrounding you? Let me encourage you. Can I do that? One of the ways we describe success here is when go becomes a passion. So let me share with you how I see that happening, which points back to our big idea. Through his people, 
God helps those who can't help themselves. And this also points to that third takeaway about having great people around you for your time of spiritual or a physical need. There is a sweet family in our church walking through a very difficult time right now with one of their young ones who has all kinds of physical and health challenges. And Valley Point, you have been amazing, simply amazing, in reaching out to this family. Some of you know them, a lot of you don't, but so many people have rallied around this family to give financial aid to them, to provide meals, to give words of encouragement. And I can share with you, because I know this in conversations with them, it matters. It matters. And it's helping them survive during a challenging time. There's another dear lady in our church. Recently, she lost her son at way too young of an age. And I had the opportunity to be at that funeral and to watch as her small group that she's a part of here at Valley Point just come and love her and encourage her during a very difficult time. It was amazing to watch and so encouraging to know she has great people around her who are gonna hold her up during this time. Recently, I was at another funeral of someone in our church and I was amazed at, I saw, as I saw a very young man, someone who will be a senior this year in high school and it was his friend's grandfather who had passed and I watched him as a friend just stand next to his friend during that receiving time and get next to him and encourage him. He was there for his friend. He had his back, and it was a beautiful thing to observe. We need people like this. Our benevolence fund just continues to grow, and so many of you have contributed to that, and we have been able to send that out to people who have been negatively impacted by COVID. And the joy we hear back from those individuals who have received help is overwhelming. And I wanna thank you for unleashing generosity this way. You're making a difference. Someone else in our church recently walked through a very difficult time in their life. And I reached out to some individuals who knew her and said, hey, here's what's happening. And I just need you to reach out to her and love her in every possible way. And they responded, we will do that. We hear you. And they did it. They reached out and have continued to follow up with this individual, sustaining her during a very low time in her life. It's inspiring. Earlier in the year, we had an individual in our church get really touched with the ministry of Urban Promise in Wilmington. And she said, you know what? Here, here's what I can do for that team and for that staff that is doing amazing work. 
I can provide a fantastic lunch for them. And so she went out and made all of the arrangements, picked up that lunch, delivered it, and then helped serve it. And I know that Urban Promise was tremendously encouraged by someone from Valley Point who said, you know what, I can do that. I can do that. Members of our worship team, not too long ago, got together and sang for someone walking through a very tough battle with cancer. And they were there for her to sing and to help her keep her eyes on Jesus. All of these examples are people helping those who cannot always help themselves. So just go and do things in the name of Jesus. Okay, just go and do things in the name of Jesus without looking for applause and recognition and know that through his people, God helps those who cannot help themselves. May God give us, may God give us the courage to passionately follow him and look out. And keep in mind, looking out often involves serving those closest to us, our family members. It also means looking out and saying yes to disruptions so that we can get in on God's program of helping those who cannot help themselves. Our gracious Father, we come humbly before you today thanking you for the opportunity to get in on your program of helping others, especially those who may not be able to help themselves. God, we use this cliche-ish, I know I have, God helps those who help themselves, and I think that is true. But what we know based on Scripture is that God helps those who cannot help themselves as well. God, I believe all around us are people within our families and our places of work, at school, in our communities, there are people all around us who may not be able to help themselves. So God, would you call up Valley Point to be the kind of faith community that is willing just to set things down and to inconvenience ourselves so that we can help those who cannot help themselves. God, call us to do that. God, would you start in me? Help me to be more open to disruption so that I can help and serve and listen. And God, would you help all of Valley Point to do that as well? Give us just an amazing week of looking out and serving those who cannot help themselves. May we remember this story in Luke's gospel about a man who couldn't get to Jesus, but he had friends. He had friends. And they were so willing 
to lower him in front of Jesus and his life changed. So God, help us to be those friends. And God, I pray that you'd also help us to surround us, surround ourselves with those individuals who can hold us up during our time of weakness as well. God, help us to be bright lights this way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.